This is the Joyful Mama Show. We want to help you take actionable steps toward dreams that have more impact, family life that has more peace, and motherhood that has more joy. We think that it's time for moms to rise up in entrepreneurship and change the world. But let's face it, it's hard to sort through all of the ways we get stuck in our own heads and all of the things we feel like we're supposed to be doing. How can we change the world when we're overwhelmed with trying not to feel overwhelmed about homeschooling or power struggles with our kids or taking care of our own hearts, our bodies, and our minds? We want to give you the tools to find rest, joy, and healing while also taking your business and your dreams to the next level. You know you were made for more than hustle. You can feel that you were made for more than the lies that hold you back. And we believe that you were made for amazing things that impact the kingdom of God and the people that God has given you to impact for Him. You were made to be a joyful mama, to have a heart that is thriving, not striving. And we want to help you step into the fullness of all you were created to become. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Joyful Mama Show. We are talking today about the intentionality to be inspired. And Sarah and I were actually just kind of chatting and catching up. It had been, you know, a couple of weeks since we talked. And I started just telling her about this book I started listening to actually this morning on Audible. I was driving to the airport to drop um, one of our kids off. She's going to visit a friend over break from school and was just listening to this this audiobook and ha- have been so inspired and it just kind of started us on this conversation that we both you know intentionally but not not even something we've really put words to until today maybe that we intentionally surround ourselves with stories and with people and with books that inspire us to you know live our our fullest lives our best lives to become our best selves and um, some of that has to do with business and some of it has to do with parenting and some of it's just, you know, leadership and just truly becoming, you know, who God designed us to be. But we just thought it'd be fun to have a conversation even on here with all of you about why we do that and how we do that and then what the effects of that are when we are intentional about listening and surrounding ourselves with people who truly inspire us and call us higher. Um, mm-hmm. And so part of that is like, you know, we're privileged to to do a podcast and we get to interview amazing people and ask them whatever we want to ask them and kind of just draw the gold out of their stories and their journeys. And that's been really fun. And we we're kind of just picking through some of our favorite guests that we've had so far. And then also just some of the books we've read and I was telling Sarah that I recently made a Facebook post and someone who I don't know super well, very, you know, this is very well-intentioned. They commented on my post and said, I'm so happy for you and the way your life turned out. And I was like, that, it just hit me so weird, that statement, because I feel like my life has not turned out. Like I'm still (laughs) living it. And so much of that is like based on I think what the the stories and the people, the inspiration that we're feeding ourselves, that we're always in the process of creating and designing our lives while we're living them. Like I have not arrived. I don't feel like I'm I love my life, but I feel like it's nowhere close to the life I want to have lived when 
it's all said and done. So the the way this conversation all started was because of this book called Onward. And a dear friend sent it to me. She said she was really inspired by it. And it's written by the CEO of Starbucks Coffee. And it's just kind of the story of how how Starbucks began, you know, a lot of the different adversity and different seasons of the company and what the company has gone through and how as a CEO, he navigated like rough times, like even people that he really respected and trusted going against what their advice was and just leaning into like his gut and always like staying true to what he believed to be the right thing for the people and for the company and the culture he was wanting to create. And it just, it's funny because I think some of like the moral things that Starbucks stands behind, I wouldn't necessarily agree with some of their stances on things. And yet listening to this book, I'm like so reminded of just like the good of humanity and how inside so many of us there's like the same thing of like we just want to do the right thing and honor people Mm. and really grow in the direction of like making like excellence I think it is like this common thread that like we are drawn to excellence and we're drawn to like doing the right thing even when it's the harder thing I'm just really enjoying this book and I'm excited I've I've only gotten like maybe an hour and a half in and there's like over 12 hours (laughs) left on the audible (laughs) um but it's um it's making me think about even like relationships you know the people that I do business with the people I live with like am I you know really seeing at the level like this EO like he you can tell by the way he writes and tells his story like how much he cares about every little detail and he he tells about how he like at one point He felt like Starbucks, they had grown so quickly and they were starting to deviate from like the true north of like what they had started as and wanting to deliver like the best cup of coffee and like bringing community around coffee, even to the point of like saying we got these new espresso machines and I realized that they were so tall that the customers could no longer see over them to interact with the barista while they were making the coffee. And that impacted the customer experience. Or when we started serving breakfast sandwiches and the cheese would drop in the like warming oven and then the burnt cheese smell would overcome the coffee aroma, that affects the customer experience when they walk in the doors of the Starbucks. Like, I don't want them smelling cheese. I want them smelling coffee. Wow. Like, all these little bitty things and how he would, like, create, like, there was at one point he sh- they shut down every single Starbucks, like, every single one, thousands of stores. He said, I knew we would take a financial loss, but we had to recalibrate and I needed to train. I think he said like 135,000 employees. This was like many years ago. Like it's way more than that now. We had to train everyone in one day to like get back on track. And so he made this like scrappy, these scrappy videos training about how to make the perfect cup or like the perfect shot of espresso. And this is how the texture should be. And this is how you should pour it. Like the speed that you pour it at matters and the consistency matters. And it should be this exact color. And he said, and you all have my permission. 
if it's not perfect to dump it out and start over. Like wow. such a commitment to excellence and to the customer experience being like the best of the best of the best. He, he's like, we lost $6 million that day. But I, we, he said, we got one um, review from like a barista in Philadelphia who told the story of someone who came in and she had an interaction and a conversation and poured them different, like three different options of the espresso. And like the person said, I'd always wanted to try, but I thought it would be too bitter or too strong. And I didn't think I'd like it. So they had this whole conversation around the beauty of espresso and why they should try. And so at the end of their interaction, she said, I think I acquired a customer for life. And he said that one story told me that it was worth the $6 million loss. And I made the right decision that day. So I'm like, what kind of a level of like, are you living at that one conversation with one customer who tried espresso for the first time is worth $6 million? Like what? But it just, it has really like made me pause today as I'm like, just evaluating the importance of the little things and how it truly is about how you make people feel. And then he talked about how you might remember this, Sarah, because I know you're a Starbucks fan too. Like they went through a phase where they started selling like music. And then they even like, because Starbucks was such a thing, Mm -hmm. um, even like movies, they were like wanting to put like whatever they knew, whatever book or whatever movie they put on the shelves in Starbucks was going to be a bestseller. And so they were, it was like generating more revenue streams and they started opening up like inside certain hotels and certain grocery stores and Target, like that whole journey. But he's like, we, as we're becoming like more and more profitable and all these things, it actually was taking us further away from like the one thing that we really wanted to be excellent at. So they like, even though some of the decisions they made cut their profits and like they saw a loss in like the moment it was for like the long-term commitment to the original vision of like creating community around coffee. Mm. So it's just, it's just really fascinating. I've had a long standing love affair with Starbucks. And it's so funny because I was in this group of women, like in a chat, probably about 20 to 25 women. We were in uh, doing like a secret sister thing for Christmas. And a lot of us didn't know each other. I didn't know anyone in it. I had been invited in by a friend. And you had to put like a bio of yourself so that your secret sister and everyone put the bio so that your secret sister would know like what you like, you know, what's your favorite color, blah, blah, blah. And the more specific you were in your bio, the more chances I'm always like, the more chances I'm going to get something I actually like. (laughs) (laughs) And I mentioned Starbucks and because I love Starbucks and I have, I'll tell more in a second about why I love it. But somebody put in their bio that they loved Starbucks too, but that they feel like guilty for saying it and like a little bit like embarrassed because you're not supposed to like Starbucks. You're supposed to like your local coffee shop that's got (laughs) like supposedly better coffee. And and so it was like embarrassing to say you liked a, a chain like Starbucks and which is so funny because I mean, Starbucks is busy constantly wherever you live. There's all these people of all different age ranges, 
you know, gender, lifestyle, whatever, everybody's going to Starbucks. So it's just kind of funny that people feel embarrassed to say they actually like it. <laughs> it's so true. It's, it's like a faux pas. Um, well, and then there's like, I know for me, like within our marriage, like my husband's always like, you spend way too much money on Starbucks. Like you, and not just you, like you take the kids through and then they'll order their Frappuccino or their whatever. And I see the half gone glasses or, you know, drinks like sitting around, like you don't even always finish them. Like it's so, he thinks it's so stupid. Like he thinks coffee's coffee. Like you might as well just go in to like the gas station and and get your own from like the spout or something. I'm like, you do not get it. But anyway, proceed. (laughs) Not By the, the way, I I am drinking my Starbucks coffee that I made at home today. So, okay. you know, that's how I appease my wallet and my husband. Is I'm yes. Not, but I used to go to Starbucks. I used to not, when I was single, I would not eat to go get my Starbucks. Like if I had to choose between eating and my Starbucks, I got my Starbucks. Okay, this is this is testament. To what they, what this man, Howard, built. It's fascinating. And he listened to even like what the, like as the economy started to change and people were more like conscious about like their buying decisions and all that. He's like, people think that because we're a big company that we don't care about like fair trade and all that. They're the like largest purchaser of fair trade coffee in the entire world like that's mm-hmm. not guess i guess a shocker but you see like these smaller like you said local coffee shops and they're like we're organic and there's no like pesticides and blah 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 and it's fair trade and like we honor the farmer like starbucks is actually really really intentional to do that too which i didn't even know mm-hmm. i just always assumed like because other people were loud about it that that meant starbucks wasn't mm-hmm. but anyway so go ahead. Sorry, I keep cutting off your story. No, it's okay. Your love affair with Starbucks. Love affair. <laughs> so it all started. I think like when Borders and Barnes and Noble came out and then Starbucks. I was in high school and it was the first experience of like going to a cafe, having a coffee, which I didn't even like at first. Like I had to force myself to like coffee because I thought it was gross. Um, so my star- my coffee started out with tons of sugar, but they gradually lessened as the years progressed. Same. But, you know, like in college, we would go, Starbucks started popping up after the bookstores, I think, at least in my world. Mm-hmm. And we would go and we would do our homework there in college. And so it became like a place you would go either by yourself or with a friend or a couple friends. And it was a place where you could be out in public, but you didn't necessarily, you could still be by yourself. So you could be in public around people, but by yourself. And it was okay to be by yourself. And you got your coffee and you could still do your thing, but it was okay to be by yourself. And I think that that is where it started for me. And then as I started moving all around the country, I would always find my Starbucks that I could go to. It was like home. It was. It was like a home for me because it was the same. Everywhere you went, you could get your same drink. Um, It was a place of like, and I think that's what it was for my husband too. Like in our single years, I didn't get married until I was, I had just turned 30. He was 27, about to turn 28. So we had spent a lot of years on our own. And 
wherever we lived, like I lived in Bali and there was three Starbucks <laughs> in Bali. <laughs> I've been to That's Starbucks so like all over the world in Jordan. I just was telling someone today about being in Singapore. And every time I'd go to Singapore, I would go get my Starbucks and like a treat from Starbucks and then my coffee. And I would sneak it into the movie theater while I waited. And I'd go watch a movie by myself while I waited for my visa to be processed so I could go back to Bali. But I've been to Bali, I've been to Starbucks, you know, in so many countries. And it is this like kind of lighthouse for me, which has been a, a thread of stability in my life. Like where my life has been like, okay, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'll go wherever you call me. And even now, like when we when we moved to Michigan from Texas, we left behind all these relationships. But it was the first thing is like, how close is the Airbnb we're staying at to Starbucks? And then I'll when go we- wherever you call me, Jesus, as long as there's a Starbucks nearby. You need to know where the Starbucks is. And like, even when we oh, moved yeah. into this house we live in now, I was like, oh, thank God it's closer to the Starbucks than the Airbnb was that we were staying at. And so we either, but it's like still far for me. Like I'm used to having a Starbucks like two or three minutes away. I have to get on the interstate and it takes like nine minutes to get to the Starbucks or I have to like drive and it takes seven or eight and it's in a grocery store. But, you know, like for me and my husband, it has this sense of familiarity, this sense of like nostalgia Mm -hmm. and through the years like we've found like oh this is my drink and then it will change to like a different drink and we get the same drink all the time and then in the holidays there's your ones you've been missing since the last holiday and so there is this like very heartwarming thing built around coffee where you're like to the point where you're like is it even the coffee anymore that I love I don't even know or if it's just the feeling it gives you I know. And that, and he did that on purpose. You have to read this book. Everything you're saying is what he did on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like you're telling me what he said. It's so fascinating. It is so fascinating because how do you, how do you create through coffee? <laughs> like it's a drink. It's literally just a drink, but he saw it as more than that. He saw it. That it's a drink that creates community that can put you in a room where it's okay to be together, but also be by yourself. Mm-hmm. Like that is so huge. And his vision for creating that has truly like, it's brought humanity together. Like we could have everything like not in common, mm-hmm. but if we're sitting together at Starbucks or if we're in the Starbucks line, like there's this common denominator, like you're my people now, like for this mm-hmm. next 10, 15, 20 minutes or whatever, we're the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so, and I'm the same as you. Like I started out with like the sugary, like it's like everyone can come in on a Frappuccino <laughs> or an iced latte with the whipped cream on top. And like, there's, you can start there. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've grown. I'm, I know you like the cold brew and all those things. I've become, you know, over time you actually become, the person who's courageous enough to even invent your own drink, which is what I do with like how many pumps of this and how many that. And it's, it's almost like, do you remember on the movie, you've got mail? Have you seen that movie with Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks? It's one of my favorite movies. 
And she's, you know, they're talking about like fall in New York and bouquets of freshly sharpened pencils and like the bookstore and the coffee and all the things and ordering the coffee and how it's like, it's a piece of who you are, like your drink personifies you and I do feel that way when someone asks for my Starbucks order it's like a window into my soul it's like we've just connected on a new level the fact that you want to know my Starbucks order and it's a whole love language when someone brings you Starbucks yes or if they remember what you are and bring it to you like as a surprise it's funny Dave and I actually met for the first time you know we met online and our first time meeting was at a Starbucks that was like he had never been to one shocker and he didn't know what to do so he's like can you just order something for me and of course he loved it so I'm like he got like I got him a venti caramel macchiato he didn't know what a macchiato was and it was gone in like two minutes I'm like you what who are you but (laughs) anyway yeah it's like this whole thing so this and it came from this one guy his vision because he went on this overseas trip to Italy Mm-hmm. Saw what they did there and thought, what if I could do that on like in mass production and bring that mm-hmm. like coffee culture to the United States and then to the world? And mm-hmm. so when you're saying like in every country you visited, I've already gotten to that part of like maybe chapter two or three where he's talking about like the global expansion and how they were popping up. He's like, the only way we knew to keep up with the demand of growth was he's like, people wanted convenience. They didn't want to have to wait. And so to create, like, to solve the problem of long lines, we just had to pop up more stores. So Mm. it's funny if you go to, like, downtown Chicago or, like, any big city, have you ever noticed how close together the Starbucks are? Like, it's insane. Like, every couple blocks, sometimes every block, there's a Starbucks. I'm like, how? But there's always a line. Like, how do you have Mm -hmm. even the confidence (laughs) as a business owner to do that? What does that even look like? I can't fathom it. But anyway. I never even thought about it from that perspective of like, we want our customers to get um, speedy, to get speed. And so we're going to build more stores. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, I just had, it's funny. I was at a a funeral two weekends ago and I was sitting there talking to my nephew and he was like, remember when you used to take me to Starbucks when I was like five? And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I do. Like, I forgot. I used to take him to Starbucks all the time was before I had kids. He's like, you'd get me those fruit. They were like these real fruit roll-ups. They were like long and straight. I'm like, oh my God, yes. yes. And I asked him a couple days later, I texted him and I was like, hey, I want to get you a gift card for Christmas. Do you have any suggestions? And he was like, well, you know, I love Starbucks. (laughs) Wow. Yes, I do. So I got him the Starbucks gift card. But literally, if you could, if you asked me about every single city that I've lived in and I've lived in a lot, I could pull up so many memories of being in a Starbucks, either with like little kids I was nannying for or people that I was working with or like seasons of my life. Like there's been this constant thread of coffee throughout my life. And even like when my love for Gilmore Girls came into the mix, like Lorelai, the main character, loves coffee. And I'm like, me too. You know, like there's just this like identity around loving coffee. And it's funny because my favorite drink right now from Starbucks is actually not coffee. It's matcha, a matcha latte, which by the way, one of my friends keeps showing up with matcha lattes for me. And I am like over the moon, especially Mm -hmm. 
like when it is something that you're not wanting to spend money on all the time and somebody shows up with a Starbucks for you, to me, it is like the best gift you could give me. Somebody gave me a plant recently, a box of Topo Chico, which you have sent me Topo Chico in the mail before. (laughs) It's like, give me a plant, give me some Topo Chico, give me some Chipotle, or give me a Starbucks. And like, I am just the happiest person in the world. And I think it's like the best gift ever. Me too. All, All the same things. The Topo Chico. I would have maybe not thought to name Chipotle, but since you said it, yes. Um, the Starbucks, yes. All all day long. It's it's just a whole thing. It, I it's it's so funny how I mean it's not fu- it's it's funny, but it's not funny. It's it's like it's so intentional mm-hmm. how it became what it is and how it's so much more than coffee. Mm-hmm. So much more than coffee. And I've had so many friends whose kids have worked there and Starbucks is like paying for their college. Yeah. That's another thing that he was like, we were the first to not only offer full benefits to part-time employees, which Mm -hmm. was another loss for the company financially. He's like, we take a great loss on that, but we're sticking to our standard of doing the right thing. So he grew up in this um, really poor family and his dad was disabled and so he lost his job there was no workers comp and he passed away with like no pension no retirement like just broke like he so he's like I wanted to create the company that my dad never got to work for how powerful is that so he's like we offered full not only full benefits like life insurance health insurance all those things but also equity in the company to part-time employees Mm -hmm. he's like it had never been done So he said, I will never forget like when we were, I think they were, he said either China or Singapore and they announced that to their, you know, first few like stores over there and looking out and seeing the tears in the people's eyes and then coming, them coming up to him and saying, I cannot wait to go home and tell my parents. These are like college students, you know, that I have part ownership in a company because no one in our family has ever owned anything. Wow. So it's like people will rally around something that's doing good for mm-hmm. humankind. And of course, it gives you the experience of like, it's funny because when I was hearing him, like, he's like, I was, I went nuts over the smell of that burnt cheese. Like, I wanted to do away with the breakfast sandwiches altogether. Literally, like, that was the hill I was going to die on of no more breakfast sandwiches because we can't have the burnt cheese smell. But he was so committed to like, and then I, as he, I'm listening to him tell this, I'm like, there is this thing. As soon as you open the door of a Starbucks, like, you know, the smell mm-hmm. it's, and it's the same in every one. I never have had to experience the burnt cheese smell. Cause it's always been that same, like <laughs> thick coffee, heavenly home mm-hmm. aroma, but how every little detail it's so wild. Yeah. My mom is an interpreter for the deaf and my mom was telling me, she's like, you know, as much as people say about say bad about Starbucks, she's like, I have seen the way they treat their employees. She's like, they will pay for a deaf barista to get an interpreter for their whole shift. The interpreter will sit there on a laptop. The customer can't see the laptop. The barista can see the laptop. The barista will type in the customer's name. The interpreter will shout, Amy! <laughs> coffee for Amy 
whatever the name is, that's because the barista who's deaf can't say it. So they, they will pay yeah. for an interpreter just to sit there and yell out names. And she's like, you know, it draws a certain type of person to work there. And I was like, yeah, mom, it draws a person who's looking for community, who's looking for safety, who's looking for acceptance, who's looking for people to treat them right. And for a lot of people who are kind of living, they're like kind of the alternative fringe type person, like maybe they've got piercings and dyed hair. And this is their church for some of them. Like this is their family and safety Mm -hmm. in some ways. And I'm sure everything's not perfect at every Starbucks and there's drama and employee stuff and whatever. But I'm like, yeah, just (laughs) everybody's looking for a home, you know? Yeah. And so like, why would we fault a company who's giving people a piece of that? Mm -hmm. And yes, I don't agree with everything they do, but I do agree with like, they are expressing like Mm -hmm. an aspect of God that is so important to me, that safety in that home and that family Mm -hmm. and community and these values that are kingdom values. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm drawn to, you Mm -hmm. know, that's, and I, I'm like, so it is inspiring to learn, like, how did you create that? Like, I want to know that as somebody that like wants to see those things actually expressed in the church. I'm like, (laughs) and in my business, like, how did you create that? Because you were able to do something that so many churches aren't able to do, you know? It's like, yeah, just the value for humanity and like just who you are, like you don't have to fit a mold. You don't have to believe the way we mm-hmm. believe. And yeah, some of the things that they probably fund or, you know, have given, that's that's where I'm like, we've had some discussion in our household about that too. Not just the, the money, all the money I waste, quote unquote <laughs> waste, I would not call it wasting on Starbucks. But then what is that funding behind the Starbucks? But I'm like, everything, you, like, are we going to stop shopping on Amazon? Are we going to stop like... Everything that we buy, like not everything, but most things, like our groceries, you ever go to Walmart or Target, like there's some level of somebody, the top of whatever company that has some level of corruption that we're inadvertently funding. Mm -hmm. But I, what I love about exactly what you said about Starbucks is like they really are valuing and seeing the person and whether that's the employee or the customer, they're valuing the the people that they're having impact, like direct impact on. Mm-hmm. And we can all take a lesson on that. I feel like we can all learn mm-hmm. from that. And I don't know, I'm just getting to know this Howard guy, but <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm a fan, to, you know, three chapters in, I feel like I'm a fan of Howard. You know, yeah. like when you're in business school, you have to do case studies on companies. You have to do, I did one on McDonald's. I did one on a Walmart. Like you have to do these case studies and dissect like why this company started, how they're doing, like all the aspects of what's making this company great. There's a reason why that you do case studies on these really successful companies because you want to understand how, why, when, all the things. And so listening to people that inspire you it's like you're doing a case study every time like who is this person what makes them tick how did they get to where they are how are they doing what they're doing like when we have this kind of curiosity it only makes us into better people I feel like more well-rounded more understanding like how business works how we can take our values and put them into business 
how our stories and our histories and our places of origin can impact how and why we do what we do. Like hearing how his dad was disabled, you know, like obviously that is a huge value of his and he has taken that into Starbucks and it is now serving people who are disabled and might not be able to get jobs and taking that and serving the world with it. And so it's just like great to kind of have this investigative curiosity into how things are and why. And then, you know, you can get inspired and be like, oh, I want to take that or, oh, I like how that inspires me to do something different in my business or my family or my life. I'm constantly listening to podcasts and interviews and people that I think are exceptional at some level (laughs) because I want to learn from them. And Mm -hmm. by the way, they don't have to all be Christians. (laughs) You can Mm -hmm. learn from people, (laughs) people or people. But yeah. I want to encourage everyone just to like whatever is like drawing you about different like keep keep pursuing that curiosity keep pursuing being inspired Um, because like you Mm -hmm. said Liz like we have not arrived we are like none of us have arrived and I love getting the questions that make me introspective and evaluate my own life I love it when people provoke that in me because I don't feel like I've arrived anywhere. I don't feel like my life is over, (laughs) that there's not more to grow. And I hope I never feel that way, that I'm always wanting to grow and expand and become whoever I'm supposed to become. And I think that will be because of the, the body of Christ, but then also humanity at large and Mm -hmm. people like God uses people to speak into my life all the time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm constantly like, listening mm-hmm. like I'm here I'm listening like God what are you saying God, what yes. are people saying <laughs> I'm listening yeah I'm noticing too like one common denominator between all these people that I find so inspiring it's not that they're all Christians it's not that they all believe the same it's not that they're all from the same culture or gender or race or anything like that but what I'm noticing that they a lot I think maybe all of them that come to mind first haven't is that they they trust themselves Mm. like you know when I'm listening to this Howard talk about like everyone else thought this but I knew and he went with his gut and he made the decision and then he was right so it's like this thing he was given to steward that was like his idea and his like he knew and then he went with his gut and so it's Mm. like always learning always being curious always leaning in and asking questions and listening yes even some of the, you know, amazing women that we've been able to interview that I know those episodes maybe haven't all released yet, but what they've all said in different ways is like, I'm just unashamedly me and I don't apologize for it. And I trust it. Like Mm -hmm. whatever God has given me, I'm going for it. I'm not holding back. I'm not doubting. I'm just going and trusting that like, if he's given me something to steward, I'm going to it's going to be my instinct to do it in the right way. I feel like so much of my life and so much of many of our lives, like we overthink and like we question and we doubt, like, is this right? Should I do it this way? Should I do it that way? Am I too much? Am I not enough? You know, is there a better way? And what these like innovators and thought leaders are doing is they're just like confident and knowing like just to do the thing that has been put inside of them to do, like recognizing it and then doing it. I'm just really inspired, you know, even going 
into, you know, a new season, a new year, like to just not get comfortable, not feel like I'm happy with the way my life turned out. <laughs> my life has not turned out. I'm still creating my life and and being bold and like knowing what I want and then like truly going for it, like taking action and trusting that whatever is it feels like an intuition or an instinct to do, to just do it and not hold back. Mm-hmm. So I love it. Onward. You shut down you said, every you Starbucks in the whole world for a day. Shut down every single one. Can you imagine like the the courage? Like, and he talked about like the New York Times, like everyone was like speculating all these negative things. Like, and he knew that was going to happen and he did it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in business, you have to have such a different approach than you do like when I used to be in ministry because it was like, and you're taught so much, like don't trust yourself in the church. Mm-hmm. Never trust yourself. Actually, I've heard people say that like, yeah. oh, what a gift it was that my dad taught me to never trust myself. I heard someone say that. Because your heart and, is deceitful, right? Yes. And wicked above all else and never trust it. I call BS. me too you can't live like that actually like Mm -hmm. that holds you like it's a verse that has created a whole theology around how you should live your life um instead of being like no jesus came to set the captives free and i'm free from sin and i don't have to live under the weight of that i can actually just like move forward even the name of his book onward like it's such a rallying call to Mm -hmm. move for like we're out of that we're into something new and beautiful and so it's like a little bit of people have to deconstruct like even how they were taught to live in the space of christianity and like what it means to honor god like honoring god means never trusting myself no it doesn't that's not what that means you can't do business well if you don't trust yourself Mm -hmm. or anything you can't parent well if you don't yeah. trust yourself, because <laughs> so as soon as you like as, as an opposing voice or opinion comes in and says, no, you should vaccinate or no, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't homeschool. Yes, mm-hmm. you should homeschool like every everything you do that matters. Somebody's going to disagree with it. And you have to trust yourself and you have to trust the Holy Spirit living within you. Like mm-hmm. if you truly believe your heart is deceitful and you cannot be trusted, that is the most paralyzing like small way to live. Mm-hmm. I have to trust myself. I have to, and I I will be wrong. Inevitably, right. there'll be times where I thought I heard God and I thought I knew and I was wrong and I was mistaken. And then I learned and I keep going. It's still like a much better way to live a much more productive and fulfilling and impactful way to live, to be moving than like paralyzed by the fear that I might do it wrong or that I'm my heart is evil and my thoughts are evil and I'm going to mess everyone and everything up. I'm going to mess up my business. I'm going to mess up my kids. I'm going to mess up all the things mm-hmm. because no, like trust that, that the Holy spirit that's living in you is for you and his thoughts towards you are good. His plans and his purposes for you are good. Even if you mess it up, he will redeem and use the things that you did wrong for your good and you can mm-hmm. move forward with excitement and freedom and just love the heck out of people, serve the heck out of people, make people feel seen and special and valued down to the speed at which you pour a freaking cup of coffee. 
that is amazing to me that they literally took the time to teach about how quickly to pour a cup of espresso because it impacts the texture and the taste. Like if we would truly all like value excellence to that degree, the world would be a better place. Mm. We would be better. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I should have said freak in there. I got fired up. (laughs) (laughs) I can still think that's the F word. I know. Sometimes it flies out and I'm like, (laughs) we were watching a movie the other day and it was a Will Ferrell. I don't even know which one it was, but he's like, you know what? F you. And then the guy goes, F you. And he goes, yeah, forget you. <laughs> it reminds me of when uh, my kids, I remember Maya was like, I know the F word, the S word and the D word. I'm like, how? You know, because she's like little and we homeschool. She's like fat, dumb and stupid. <laughs> Yeah, don't say those words. You're right. Bad words. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. My daughter, literally, when we were at that funeral, she said in the car something about the F word. She heard someone say the F word. And I was like, can you just tell me what word? (laughs) Fart. (laughs) She said, she said freaking. And I was like, I just want you to know, Emma, that yes, I don't want you to say that word. I don't think that's appropriate for an eight-year-old to be saying but there is another F word also <laughs> that adults use. And so if you hear your brother say that word, yes, I don't want him saying that either. But that's not the actual F word that everyone is talking about. So just so you know, there's another, there's that another actually- word. <laughs> that's so funny. I just let mine think that those were the actual words. I'm like, yeah, don't say them. <laughs> We just had that clarifying question, that (laughs) clarifying answer, (laughs) qualifying what the F word actually is. I didn't actually tell her what it was, actually, but one day. (laughs) Yeah, one day she'll have to be let in on. Be confronted with the horrible F word, which is just a word that we've assigned all this meaning to. It's so weird when you stop and think about words like that. You're like, (gasps) but it's like, it's just a word. I don't know. Oh, yeah, we have that conversation, too, because Dave's like, I'll say whatever word I want. I don't care. People made it that like I could <laughs> it to me is no different. Anyway, like, well, we culturally, it has a certain meaning to it. It's like, very inappropriate culturally. We, but... we wouldn't want the kids just, you know, running around saying it. So it's weird when you stop and think about it. It is. It is. Yeah, well, on that note, <laughs> yeah, we can end there. Oh, oh, man. Well, be encouraged to be inspired to take action to never forget that it's easier for God to move a car in neutral than a car in park. <laughs> yes. And trust yourself. Trust the Holy Spirit inside you. Trust your gut, your instincts. He's given you those. He's given you a brain. He's given you instincts he's given you all those things for survival and for onward momentum and growth so we love you guys onward (laughs) bye (laughs) to get our free heart-centered homeschooling ebook or to book a breakthrough call about homeschooling or business with sarah visit the links in the description of this podcast also we always want to hear your questions or ideas for new podcasts So do please slide into our DMs on Instagram or post in our Facebook group. 
we would love to hear from you.